0: There's a song I I really enjoy. It's not a song necessarily at Christmas, although it applies very well to Christmas, and many of you are probably familiar with this song. It was, I think, a hit on the radio um, maybe 20 years ago. I'm not sure. You ask me what I want this year, and I'll try to make this kind and clear, just a chance that maybe we'll find better days because I don't need boxes wrapped in strings and desire and love and empty things. Just a chance that maybe we'll find better days. So take these words and sing out loud, because everyone is forgiven now, because tonight's the night the world begins again. If you're not familiar with that, that's from uh, the rock band with that unique name, the Goo Goo Dolls, and the song is titled Better Days. They released a Christmas album during the pandemic. I'm pretty sure it was in 2020, actually. And uh, they did a remake of this song. And they, instead of the lead singer from the band singing the lyrics, they had a little girl sing it. And just because it was, you know, the heel, right at the end of 2020, when things are still up in the air and all the turmoil that's happened in that year, it was such a beautiful expression from this band, and the song itself is very powerful. I don't know the, the writer of the song's personal faith necessarily, but I, I do see truth of scripture coming through in these words alone. And, and it, it does serve to emphasize a point that I think we all need to come back to every December. Linda and I went shopping yesterday and we enjoy doing that and we're glad we have the, the means to do that. And I'm sure many of you, um, perhaps you went shopping yesterday too for Christmas. Um, and, and as we do that, there, there is this, this balance that has to be struck. There's, on the one hand, we are, we are happy to, to get gifts that we're able to buy and, and to bless those that we love with these gifts as a celebration of the gift of God in Jesus Christ. That's what a Christmas gift is about. God loves us so much that He gave Jesus to us and and as an act of of my joy, I am giving to you in some kind of way. And, and that's a good thing. but of course, being human beings, we tend to get carried away with things. and in many ways Christmas gets carried away and somewhere in in all of the all of the color and the lights and the and the noise and and all of the, the fantasy of it from Santa Claus to Rudolph to Frosty, etc. Jesus kind of gets lost. So it's good to reclaim that, to keep that balance. But also to realize, too, that I can think and plan and, and ponder as much as I want the gift I'm going to give someone and wrap up and put it under a tree and give to them on Christmas. And that's a good thing. But the one thing that that gift will not contain and that is contentment. I can't can't get that from Amazon. You know, go ahead and try. Look up contentment on Amazon, see if you can buy it. (laughs) Somebody's probably trying. You know, here's a little poster or a nice little plaque for your wall or something like that. no, true contentment we can't buy. Paul Dares to say in Philippians that he's found the secret to contentment. And he has indeed shared it with the church. So let's take a, a closer look at, at some of these verses. And, and first, let's look at some of the other scriptures that teach about being content. The secret of contentment. Um, are you content? This is from Psalm 130, actually 131, not 132. I had that wrong. It's only three verses long, so this is the whole psalm. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and now. And forevermore. And when you see the word Israel in the Old Testament, don't think, well, that doesn't include you. It is the people of God of any time and place that are Israel in that way. Come on in. So another verse that deals with contentment comes from Proverbs. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content." Untouched by trouble. Trouble is um, something that affects all of our lives, but it doesn't have to derail our life or impact our life so much that that we can't function. And that's what it's suggesting in here in the proverb, untouched by trouble. doesn't mean it doesn't happen to us, it just doesn't throw us off our game. It doesn't remove our contentment when trouble comes. Another verse comes from the New Testament, in 1 Timothy, verses 6 through 8 of 1 Timothy 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Always a good place to start. Do you have clothes on your back? Do you have food in your belly? Thank you, God. A good starting place for contentment. And then lastly, from Hebrews thirteen five. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Money comes and goes in different amounts and different provisions for it. And yet God's love, God's presence never leaves us and is never short of supply. So that is all secrets or or keys to contentment that we see in other scriptures. But let's look in some detail now at... Philippians chapter four and what Paul writes about this in in, in these verses and for, what I want you to see first of all is he says I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your your concern for me when you read in the flow of the whole fourth chapter in the book of Philippians that word rejoice should kind of grab your attention. Because he said that before. Just last week, when we looked at the fourth verse, rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice. Paul is a good teacher, an excellent teacher. And as a good teacher, he understood that repetition is part of our learning process as humans. If you, and parents, we know that, you have to tell your kids more than once, most of the time. (laughs) about what's most important. In fact, the things that are most important, we want to repeat because they forget, because they're not paying attention, because they can be stubborn. Repetition is important. So Paul repeats it. He digs deeply on rejoicing, and then he comes back to it again here in the 10th verse. And we'll come back to that whole why he did this in a moment, but notice he's not just saying to the church, And to us, rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice. He's now showing how his life has been filled with rejoicing. So it's not just a concept that he's teaching them to figure out right here. He's saying, look, this is the way rejoicing has touched my life. Here is an example of it that you can follow, that you'll understand, that that you relate to.
1: So he says, I rejoice
0: greatly in the Lord. You have re- renewed your concern for me. Now the concern they had for him and the opportunity to show the concern meant that they took an offering for Paul and sent it to him. Paul had various um, couriers that would deliver these letters that we have in our, in our scriptures and um, also sometimes monetary gifts and provisions for God's people. For example, one of the things that happened, uh, you can, we touch on this in the book of Acts, the church in Jerusalem was going through a very difficult time of struggle and trial and persecution where the, the Christians there didn't have food and clothing and, and the very bare minimums they needed. So the churches that had been established by Paul and others you know, th- throughout the Roman Empire got word of this And they sent gifts back to help their brothers and sister believers back in Jerusalem in their time of need. So Paul understood on an individual personal basis, as he was arrested and went through all the the various levels of of hearings and, and court proceedings that were part of Roman law. And he ended up in house arrest in Rome, where he was when he wrote this. People said, let's help Paul now. He's helped us so much. So, among others, the Philippian church sent Paul a gift to help him while he was living there in, in house arrest in Rome. And he very much appreciates it, but um, you know, he he almost he he acknowledges it, but he also says, you know, not that I'm so much in need that, that I, I you know I'm suffering, I, I'm okay. God's taking care of me. There's a balance to be struck there. Maybe you know someone, and maybe if you're honest with yourself, you are that someone who has a hard time accepting gifts from others. I know people that downright refuse it. Like, I don't need anything. No, no, it's okay, it's okay. And, and if you push them at it, they can get really angry, you know? <laughs> and what what you're doing when you won't receive a gift is you are you are removing their, their opportunity to bless you, the blessing that, that, that they get out of, out of giving. So even if you're not so much in need, you still can say thank you and appreciate it. And then as you're blessed, you, you give to someone else. So on the one hand, we shouldn't be grudging about receiving gifts. On the other hand, we shouldn't be dependent on them and just let everyone else take care of us. There's that balance to be struck. And this is part of what Paul is getting at here when he says, I have learned to be content. I have learned to be content and not just in a momentary kind of way, in whatever the circumstances, whatever is going on. As I alluded to a moment ago, he's under arrest. He's still content. He's been beaten. He's still content. He's going before trial before a governor and the the injustice of the system is working against him and he's still content. He hears of the struggles of the churches that are going on and and even from among those who believe in Jesus, he begins to get um, some, some kickback and some trials and he's still content. And then he's also blessed and people are are caring for him. And he certainly does have times of peace and and times of, of abundance and he's still content. So whatever the circumstance, he is maintaining this attitude of contentment. And now here again is this repetition. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. So, whatever the circumstance, any and every. So, if you see it repeated so close together, that must be pretty important. And that's exactly what, what Paul is doing right here in, in Philippians chapter 4. And so, you know, wh- whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, he's acknowledging that. I don't know what your life's circumstances have been. But I'm hopeful that there's at least something and perhaps several moments in your past, whether it be recent or many years ago, even from your childhood perhaps, where you've seen God provide for you. Where, where you remember, oh yes, that didn't look good. the the, the moment that, that we didn't have enough yeah, I remember that, and yet somehow we got through it. That gives you strength, the memory of that, to face another challenge that may be before you now or maybe before you tomorrow. And, and this is what Paul is acknowledging. He's had these different times in his life where he's known what hunger is. But it's more than the, the physical provisions that we have that, that can be a difficult circumstance. Or situation. When um, relationships are, are broken, that's, that's a huge challenge. When there isn't enough money, that's a huge challenge. When we're facing some form of oppression from others, that's a huge challenge. Can you have contentment in Christ in all of those and whatever other form of difficulty you are walking through? And the answer is yes. He can. And and when Paul speaks of this, again, he's not just speaking about this like you guys should go and do this. He's saying, look what I've been through. That's why he says to follow me, follow my example so many times. Because of his trust in Christ in all circumstances, in all situations. Because they saw the Apostle Paul walk through that, it gives them the courage and the confidence to trust God in their circumstances. Do you have people in your life that you can look to who inspire you and say, wow, I'm so glad that God helped him or her in that moment. I could see their faith growing when they went through that. That's a good inspiration for you to know that that this isn't just an idea just some lofty thing oh yeah be trusting of God when things are tough well that's easy for you to say no you've seen the difficulty I share not in a boastful sense at all I share in a joyful sense of how God helped me through a cancer diagnosis you know almost a year ago and gave me a peace in that moment and a contentment about not just the cancer but about life itself right in the middle of it. I can't explain that to you. I could have been fearful and the fear never took over. It was there. It was as I shared last year it was knocking at my door, but it never I never let it take the throne of my heart or my life. And in as much as that has helped any of you in any the smallest maybe even a big way, I'm glad for that. So things that you're going through as you face down the difficulty with faith and trust and find contentment even in the middle of the darkness and the middle of the big question mark in your life it's not just that your situation gets resolved it is also what your faith in that moment shows to other people what that reveals about you and your faith and about the God in whom you have faith in that moment, what that reveals to others through your faith. So keep going, well-fed or hungry, plenty or in want. And then he says this, I can do all this, I underline this and I'll come back to that in a moment, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. This verse is um, fairly well-known, quoted and memorized by many people, perhaps some of you. And you've probably seen it more typically like the middle one. Now, these are three different translations of Philippians 4.13. The first one is the one I've used this morning from the New International Version. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The second one is from the New King James which in all the English versions is the most common rendering of these words. Okay? Most of the time it will sound something like this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Sounds good, right? That's a promise? That's a good thing? The the problem is that when when we isolate verses, be careful because what is all things? If, if, if I have a, a sin in my life that I enter into quite frequently, am I going to say somehow in prayer, I can do all things including that? I, 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 I'm a thief. I want to steal. So God, I need money for my family and I have to steal to get it. So the, the word of God says I can do all things. So you're going to help me rob this bank. And of course, that's an extreme example, but in more subtle ways we have to be careful that the all things in our heart is our desire, it is the things that we want, and isn't really based upon the contentment that this verse is pointing to that we can find in Christ. Which is why I like the way this last version called the voice puts it, last translation. I can be content in any and every situation through the anointed one, that is Christ, who is my power and strength. Do you see the difference there? Which is why I like the NIV coming back to that, because it throws that word this in there. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So the question then for the student of the Bible is what is this? In Philippians 4.13, in that particular translation. Why did they use that word? Because it's meant to point back to what's already said. Because what is said leading up to it. So it isn't just a blank check of all things that Christ is going to help me with that I fill in to fulfill my own desires. It is the contentment that he speaks. I, in Christ, have the strength from him to be... Content to be at peace with God. Isn't that what contentment is? Peace with God. Which turns everything back around. What Paul is writing here from the 10th verse of Philippians 4 comes as a direct flow out of the verses that we looked at last week. Verses 4 through 9. Content in any and every situation. How, how do you go about doing that? Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Now, so Paul didn't just write that. He's talking about how this, this pattern has played out in his own life and how they've seen it play out in his life and how that can bless them and they can have the same contentment. And it's not a secret anymore because here's how it can happen. So I'm I'm thinking of myself as, as listening to this reading and that's how it began. The letter came from Paul to the Philippian church and they gathered together with great excitement to hear what Paul had to say. So one of them would read the letter on behalf of Paul to the church. So if I'm in that church, I'm listening to what Paul is saying. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Wow, I've seen that in the Apostle Paul. The Lord is near. Yeah, he has great faith. Do not be anxious about anything. And Paul's had a lot of reasons to be anxious. But in every situation, by prayer and petition... With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Yeah, Paul really has led us in prayer a lot. He taught us how to pray. He reminds us again and again to pray and pray, and, he, and he, he's done so. Mm-hmm. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Boy, we've seen that in the Apostle Paul, haven't we? Wow, we want some of that, don't we? Let's, let's together Learn to rejoice, lest together be reminded of His gentleness and His nearness to to not choose the way of anxiety, but to, to pray together and with and for one another. And then the peace of God will come and continue to remain with us. And then the eighth verse, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is Noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the peace of God will be with you. So there's those Philippian believers hearing these words for the first time and, and seeing what Paul's done And then he goes on to talk about how as a person who chooses to rejoice in the Lord, here's how this works. Here's how you too can have contentment. Here's how you too can have peace with God that your situation can't stop, that your circumstance can't stop, that even your own sin isn't going to remove completely when you come back to Him and repent. And, and just to, to walk in that pattern of contentment with God. Do you want that? Do you, do you have that? Have you, have you tasted on it? Have you, have you drawn life from that? And do you want more of that? And that's not a selfish thing. Part of the problem with contentment, as he identifies here, is that you, you can be discontent whether it's in a, a situation of very little or a situation of very much. Of course, the person with very little, we look at first and think, well, they can rightly feel discontented because their, their food or their, their clothing or they don't have a place to live or whatever else it might be, and you understand that, and you don't want that, and yet sometimes people in those situations are still content in the Lord. And then you can look at the person that has everything, the richest person in town and the biggest palace and house that there is with the great job and all the money and everything money can buy, are they truly content? Or is there always more, more, more? Got to have more, more stuff, more power. And I think even within our small contexts here, we can all understand that. I'm sure you've had times where that thing you really wanted, that job you really wanted, that that amount of money you really wanted, and you you get it, and it feels good for a while, but then eh, it kind of comes up empty in time because that's not where contentment lies. So the one thing we continue to seek after, to ask for and to seek more and more and more of, is contentment in Christ. Is trust in Him in any and every situation. Everything. I know that's not easy. And I'm not saying it happens quickly. But if the desire of our heart is contentment in all circumstances, this is the path. Rejoice. Be gentle. Know that God is near. Don't choose anxiety. Pray. Pray together. And when you have that peace, sustain the peace with keeping your mind on on what a true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy as our mind gets set in that direction that, that locks in the contentment and the peace of God and others see that in you so you can guide them on that same path. Amen. Father, thank you for these scriptures that teach us And help us to look to you and to look to others also who've applied that to their lives and have trusted you with contentment in their difficult moments, circumstances, and situations. May we all be found faithful in you, attaining your peace. And it all begins with rejoicing. In your precious name, amen. Amen.